It's time for What's Your Role, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of your favorite actual play podcast. And now, here's your host, Tim Devine. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of What's Your Role. Today, I am extremely excited to be talking with the one and only B. Dave Walters. B. Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, he comes uh, with his own. He comes with his own uh, fully work. That, that's true. Uh, I have a retinue of, of screaming fans that travel everywhere with me. Also, I'd like to officially object. If I'd known this was an audio-only podcast, I would not have bothered to wear clothes. Here I am. I just got this dry cleaned. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're never going to see all the sequence. They're not going to see the rouge, the rouging, you know, it's a, it's, it's a breathtaking ensemble that, you know, and now it's uh, going to fall upon deaf ears, blind ears, blind, deaf, deaf blind, ears. Deaf blind. Blind. Yeah. She can't <laughs> see it. That's the thing. Yeah. So it was all for not. It was all for not. Well, I mean, it, it is, it is a, a theater of the mind. So, uh, I'm True. sure that I'm sure that your your fans will be able to picture this probably even more magnificent than it than it looks. That is a yeah. I mean, again, I at first I thought the top hat and the cane were a bit much, but you're right. No, I think apparently they were the appropriate amount of inspiration. So do that, do with that what you will, gentle <laughs> listener. My gift to you. I'm the one who's embarrassed since we're wearing the same thing, and now I have to go change. <laughs> it's it, it's a little awkward. It's a little awkward, but that's cool. That's uh, that's all. Right. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> exactly. So, so no doubt, many of our listeners are familiar with your work. Um, but for those of uh, for those of them that are less familiar, could you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself? Uh, B. Dave Walters. I'm on a little show called Vampire: The Masquerade, L.A. by Night. I was on We're Alive Frontier. Uh, I was just on D and D Live: The Descent on the the main stage on Saturday. I've done a truckload of streaming uh, i write the official dungeons and dragons comic dungeons and dragons of dark and wish from idw publishing i'm um, in the upcoming tv series salvage marines which i am in and co-wrote uh the second half of the season and that is most of the things there i do things though is probably the number one thing to know yeah and i perform anywhere possible with the uncommon trust We'll be we'll be linking some stuff too because the list is pretty long and that's pretty awesome. So we're we're very honored to have you here. Um, speaking of, uh, so we're here on what's your role to talk about the role that you play specifically on LA by Night. Uh, but before going into your character, uh, why don't you tell listeners just a little bit about LA by Night and uh, why they should be watching it? LA by Night is based on uh, Vampire the Masquerade, the beloved Vampire the Masquerade system that goes back twenty five years. I think we're in the twenty sixth year now. Then uh, they just released the fifth edition of the game last summer. I think last Gen Con uh, was the official official release of the book. And our stream was sort of the first salvo of the new vampire, the first presentation of the new vampire to the world. And season three is starting this Saturday. So if you liked the Bloodlines video game, uh, a lot of the characters and situations from Bloodline have turned up in our show. Uh, if you like vampires, you will like our show. Uh, if you like beautiful people, you will like our show. Um, if you like uh, low-grade horror that can alternate from like laughing so hard you cry to being so sad that you cry to being so scared that you cry, all in the same episode, you will probably like our show. Basically, if you're a fan of Tears. If you like Tears, yeah. 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 
That's uh, that's what actually nourishes us, not blood. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's go ahead and dive into your character. So, why don't you tell us about your character, Victor Temple of the Venture Clan? Victor Temple. Yes, uh, I am what is called a Ventru, as you said. Uh, if you're not familiar with the lore of Vampire the Masquerade, they're basically the business vampires. I run a sprawling uh, multimedia empire and over the course of the seasons took over a significant portion of Los Angeles of the Valley uh, as my own personal domain that I rule over with an iron fist. And... <laughs> um, uh, and uh, it, it's just been a, a lot of fun. And uh, he tries to keep everybody safe. He tries to keep everybody cool. He tries to keep everybody focused to make success and, um, you know, delivers a swift and vengeful justice on anybody that messes with us and is slightly caught in the midst of a civil war because there's three major vampire factions. Uh, there's the Sabbat, which are supposed to be extinct, but I don't think anybody really believes they're extinct. Uh, they are the ones that completely embrace the beast because a core aspect of vampire, both in our show and what the story is, period, is that you're a human being honestly grappling with the fact that you're a monster. Uh, all the vampires have a beast inside, which comes out when you don't want it to and makes you do things that you don't want to do. Uh, the Sabbat openly embrace that. But again, as of the beginning of V5, they're supposed to be destroyed. I myself do not believe that for one second. The other faction is what we are, the Anarchs, um, that are supposed to be at least semi-independent. Um, uh, a loose confederation, basically, of, of vampires. But, you know, the, no, no princes, no bowing, no ring kissing. And the third one is the Camarilla, which if you played, or Camarilla, uh, there, there is no proper pronunciation canonically. Uh, if you played all the versions of the game, the game was mostly told from the point of view of the Camarilla. They were the quote-unquote good guys in a world that had no good guys. Uh, a lot of structure, princes, councils, primogen. They are, they've become much stuffier um, because in the new version of the game, 15, since it's been 15 years since the last major supplement, uh, 15 years have passed in the game. Uh, the Camarilla has very much retreated into their shells and is trying to like escape from uh, the advancement of the outside world, whereas the Anarchs are actively embracing it. And we represent uh, the face of a new generation, basically, uh, which is also a better generation. What, what would you say your inspiration was for Victor? Uh, in some in some games, uh, you have you know pre-generated characters. In some games, you have classes you can choose. What drew you to to Victor, and what was your inspiration? I knew he had to be a Ventru, um, because my my first game streaming was December twenty seventeen for uh, the Chair D twenty uh, celebrity um, game, and I did a vampire one shot, which is where I met Jason Carl. And that was actually my first time playing on stream. And I played a gangrel, which uh, everybody loved. And I mean, I loved, I had a great time. I guess I did a, a half decent job because that's what got me called back for this. And uh, when, when we were talking about what we wanted to play, everybody's like, so are you going to bring uh, that character back? Are you going to be a gangrel? And I was like, well, no, because I knew we were introducing this game to a new generation of people. And I knew if I didn't play a Ventru, in the back of my mind, I'd always wished I had. Like, I could become, like, the most beloved gangrel of all time. And I still would be like, mm, should have been a Ventru. So <laughs> I, I knew I had to do that. Um, we found out, uh, honestly, it came down pretty close to the wire, whether or not we were going to be Anarch or Camarilla for this game. 
And so what Victor's business interests were going to be was fairly variable all the way down to the last second. Like I've said before that, I mean, major, 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 major character alterations were happening till the week we started. Like some of these characters you see now were vastly different, like five days before our first game. And uh, when I knew I wanted, when we were doing Anarchs, I was like, I wanted him to like be involved in hip hop. I wanted him to be involved in business. My original character concept was a non-douchebag Suge Knight. I knew I, I didn't want him to be involved in crime. I didn't want him to be a drug dealer. I didn't want to lean into the hip hop equals, equals crime trope, even though Victor has done his fair share of crime now. <laughs> it's all like in the commission of vampire business and not uh, that, that it was very important to me that, that he was a, he was a clean businessman on the up and up. Yeah. For, you know, just a lot of reasons. And, and, and that was kind of it. And then I, I came up with his, uh, with his sons fairly early because I wanted him to have um, some, some touchstones and some mortal connections. He's got a couple other mortal connections that haven't come out or came out very subtly. And I think a lot of people didn't notice. That was, that was essentially uh, the, the long and short of it. And my, my dynamic with Sin came about because we've just known each other for a very long time that we've played together in other contexts and that's usually just the dynamic we very easily slide into. So we were like, let's do it. Like you, you and I will be the ones that like have a pre-existing relationship here and then, you know, see where it goes with the rest of them. And that, that pretty much set the stage for episode one. I, I like that. Uh, your, the character, like you said, it, it, it does change and evolve right before you go live. And with a lot of people that play role-playing games at a, at a table with their friends, um, you have more, flexibility you can change even even after session zero you can you can make changes or go different directions but when you're doing a stream like this as high profile as yours you're you lock in so you you know in some cases those those little changes at the end make all the difference oh yeah we're we're very much stuck well like i said hey i can give you a, 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 per- a perfect example in the very first episode i said victor was almost 70 he was supposed to be almost 60 He's supposed to be my roughly my age and he's been embraced for, you know, 15, 16 years. And so he's almost 60. Um, but I said almost 70. And so it's almost 70. Like, in yeah. fact, at first I intended to be like, oh, I was lying. I was exaggerating or whatever. But it's like the fans just jumped on it so fast. I was like, well, that's what it is. You know, it's been entered into the public record now. Yeah, there's um, no taking it back at that No point. take backsies. Yep. Yep. 100%. <laughs> So one of the questions that I've asked uh, other guests on the show is, is how do you uh, prepare yourself to play Victor? Now you've said, you've said that Victor is basically you, but as a vampire, but is there anything that you do to prepare uh, to b- before, before this, the camera goes on? Nothing. And it's funny. We all have such different processes mm-hmm. and Erica has like a 30, 40 minute process of becoming Annabelle. And it's like, don't talk to her. She's doing her thing. Um, Sin also has a process of, you know, becoming, becoming Nelly. Uh, Alex and I don't have that. Like he and I will be sitting on set and we're like, literally like talking about Pokemon and stuff. And like, we're getting the 30 second countdown and we're just like, jip, 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 10, nine. And then game face. (laughs) We're just there. We got it. It's just, I, I don't, I, I think it's, again, it really is like sliding on like a comfy pair of shoes, you know? And I think a part of that also, and that is somewhat, it's somewhat true with all of my characters. And when we're alive, I made a, a conscious point when I was playing Chateau to 
make sure I was kind of like appropriately not down, but you know, definitely like in low gear for that game in particular. But that game lended itself to it. If you're not familiar, it was a, it was a horror survival game. So I mean, even when we shot day one, episode one, it was very early, so it was easy to be muted because we were tired. And then after that, it's easy to be muted because we're terrified. So <laughs> it's still, it didn't take a lot of work to be like, all right, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool. But most of them, for the most part, I'm never really overly concerned with making a mistake. I'm, I'm more concerned with just kind of doing it to the best of my ability and see where it goes. I put in the most preparation when I'm DMing. And even then, I leave a lot of space. Like, I'll drive certain posts down that I know I want to hit. And I leave a lot of room for how we're going to get there. Uh, because both the dice and the players will surprise you. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like seeing what's happening in real time, you know, just like you are. All right. Well, so when uh, when we come back from commercial break, we get to hear some listener questions for B. Dave Walters about his role on L.A. by night. Hello there. Are you looking for more tabletop podcasts for your entertainment? Then look no further than the Roll to Play Podcast Network. On Roll to Play, you will find amazing one-shots featuring guests from all over the world. On Roll to Play Level Up, you will hear fantastic discussions about all things tabletop. Are you a fan of gothic horror mysteries? Then the Red Death is waiting for you. Find all these shows and more at RollToPlayNetwork.com. back with some listener questions for Victor Temple. I have to say that the fans of LA by Night are really into this game. We got a lot of really great questions. So, B Dave, are you ready? Yeah, and first let me just say not only thank you to you for having me on here, but thank you to every single person that submitted a question. I mean, if hopefully we're going to answer them all. If we don't, uh it was nothing personal. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching and thank you for caring enough to submit a question. All right. At Mary A. Vieira asks, how old is Victor really? What can you tell us about his sire and how he was embraced? Uh, again, Victor was supposed to be almost 60, but because of a slip of the tongue, he is now almost 70. Um, because the intention was always that he was embraced in his mid-40s and has been uh, kindred for about 15, 16 years. Now, uh, again, because of my loose tongue, he now was all more like 50, like 49-ish when he was embraced, and now is, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, in his mid-60s, which I'm fine with canonically, because the, the only way it would have been a problem is I already knew who his sons were, and I knew how old they were, and I just it just needed it to make sense that he could have kids that age and still be the age he is, and it does. What I'd intended, and I think I've gotten to say this on the stream, I know I've said it in, in interviews, I think I've mentioned it, but I don't know if I have or not, was he played uh, pro basketball and was retired early with an injury. Uh, and originally he was supposed to walk like with a pronounced limp and like walk with a cane and everything. That's why like his uh, physical attributes are so low. Because even though technically those things would have healed with the embrace, I'd always intended it to be kind of psychosomatic, like a John Watson thing. 
but we didn't really get a chance to start with it because everything started happening so fast in the first episode. And by then it was too late to kind of revisit it. Uh, but that's why his, his physical attributes are so low. But that he had taken uh, his money that he'd made as a pro basketball player. And that was how he started uh, the Temple of Boom. I'm going to be coy on the details about the sire because I don't know when they're going to turn up. But I will say my how Victor got on the radar of the Ventru in the first place was his business moves and some of the investors that he took on and some of the profit he was able to turn with their money. And they caught on to the fact that it's like this might be a sharp guy to have on our side. And uh, one thing led to the other. Yeah, this is a this is a good guy. Let's keep him around for forever. Right. It's like, could you do this for eternity? <laughs> hey, man, compound interest over a thousand years. You know, it adds up. That's the venture right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, at the T voice asks, mm -hmm. how would Victor's unlife have been different if he had been embraced by Clan Virtue after his basketball accident, rather than after his businesses took off? I really like that. Uh, also, shout out Tyler. Um, I, I know him, a friend of the show. That's a very interesting question. Um, again, I think he's so personality driven. I think he would have been more attention starved and fame starved. He probably would have cut straight like into movies and things like that and like bypassed uh, being behind the scenes. Um, and been more upfront in performing himself and less behind the scenes, if I had to say. I also can see a version of events where if he was embraced like right, right after his injury, where he still tried to like find a way to play ball, especially like road games and night games and things like that, uh, which, you know, would have led to hijinks to tell you the truth. But hey, man, uh, dominate in presence i can you know convince you that i can't you know play that game at noon but i can play at 8 p.m you know it would work <laughs> it's like a teen wolf reboot but with vampires i would watch that mm -hmm. uh, i'm sure a lot also, of people I, I have to write i have to write that now yeah exactly yeah. like uh yeah <laughs> that's the trouble when, when you're a writer you you can't speak without having an idea that you have to immediately go write down uh complete well let me give you a complete side note uh so issue two of a dark and wish is due anytime now it might be on newsstands by the time you listen to this and one of the things we were talking about when i first was pitching the story is i just said something uh, when we were talking about stories i was like i can write a story about a submarine full of goblins i don't care and then i was like also now i'm going to put a submarine full of goblins in this story <laughs> And I did, in fact, put a submarine full of goblins in the story. But that is where that came about. <laughs> a random uh, turn of phrase. And then that became a thing. So, yes, definitely. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Next question here we have at R.L. Reynolds asks, does Victor have a, con a contingency plan in place for yes. when he'll inevitably <laughs> have to die uh, or retire from the public eye to preserve the masquerade? Uh, yes, always have a contingency plan. Uh, the advantage that he's got again is medicine being what it is and the modern era being what it is. It's like, he's probably still got another 20, 30 years like, actively in the public spotlight. Um, and then like so many vampires across time, he'd go underground for like 10 or 20 years and then like reemerge as one of his own relatives, uh, would, 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 would be the play. There you go. That's a, that's a, it's a good answer. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. We've got a next question from at Soren Warrior asks, how did Victor and Fiorenza meet? I cannot say. You'll find out. Awesome. Well, actually, no, I take that back. I, I think we, no, I did say this on the show. 
this was another one of those things that made sense before my slip of the tongue. But what I'd intended was we were embraced around a similar time. Fiorenza was a much older human when she became a Ventru, but she was a very rich and influential human. Uh, so we came up in the ranks at about the same time was my intended story. Quite frankly, if I sat down and plotted it all out on a timeline, that may or may not make sense anymore. But that's basically what it was. We were new Ventru and just sort of like, you know, learn the ropes together and just always stayed connected, even though she kind of like ascended to the heights of the Camarilla very quickly. Uh, and I ultimately struck out and became an anarch. We just always stayed close. All right. So this next one uh, could be a tough question. At Vesper De Rolo asks, can Victor dance? What kinds of dance? Uh, yes, and whatever's required. Um, again, again, with his busted knee, he is not what he once was. But the advantage is uh, you're going to remember that he did a great job. So it really doesn't matter whether or not <laughs> he can actually. You're going to think he did. So great. Yeah. So we know that. And that means that we can have the, the fan art and uh, animated gifts of Victor dancing hundred percent. Just crank that stanky <laughs> leg. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> Drop it low. All right. This next one I'm going to mispronounce, of course. Uh, at uh, Indigo Spirit 118 asks, what does Victor think about the legends regarding Tacane and the Antediluvian? Uh, it's funny. I would show you if we had the video. I have my gargantuan book of nod is literally sitting right here next to me. Like it's 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 huge. It's the size of like a TV dinner tray. Um it uh he doesn't know honestly he doesn't know i think he thinks kane is the first vampire because why not beyond that kind of all bets are off uh and he is also aware of the thin blood heresy which again i've tried to play him as he doesn't hate them but he's suspicious because again if it's like sort of like it is written when the sky turns purple the end of time is upon us and then the sky turns purple and you're like, well, yeah, it's just a mutation in the pollen and like the light hitting. And it is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it said when the sky turns purple, <laughs> this is the end, you know? So like he gets the fact that the blood becomes more and more and more and more diluted. But I mean, you know, the book said they are the heralds of the apocalypse and now they're here. So he's very much uh, not too sure about the thin bloods. But uh, besides that, yeah, he, does, he doesn't know. But it's as likely as anything, basically. At Arkeen Native asks, uh, how do you feel about the changes to the Ventru class in V5? I don't know that the Ventru have changed. Um, I mean, the obviously the Camarilla and the Anarchs have changed. I think the Ventru are what they always were, uh, which is the best. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that. Right? Well, here's the thing. The Masquerade exists. Uh, the Kindred still exist because of the Ventru. Uh, because of all the strings they've been able to pull in the mortal world uh, to manipulate people financially, to manipulate people emotionally, to manipulate people's memories and recollections of things. That's why there is a masquerade. So in that, uh, all kindred everywhere owe uh, the Ventru uh, a debt of gratitude. Then the Camarilla Ventru. This isn't just like me, you know, slobbering on my beloved clan of kings. Um, I think you know, a big part of the reason why I wanted to play one is I think very often they're portrayed only as the stuffy suits and only as the old out of touch people where there's very much a version of Ventru that is uh, young and ambitious and hungry 
and visionary and looking to climb that hill and capitalize in whatever way that they can. And in that, I, I, I like it, um, which again is why I wanted to play a venture. I wanted to show the world there's another way to do this and still be very true to what we are, which is why I so, I so much enjoyed uh, my scenes with Ash and her take on Fiona. Earlier scenes, obviously, some of our later scenes have been a bit more contentious. Ooh, but <laughs> the, the fact that we were so different from each other, but we still were clearly more like each other than the rest of the coterie. And, and in Victor's interactions with Vannevar, same thing. It's like, you know, you and I are very different, but there's a through line in the two of us that is not here in the others. Uh, the, the same way Suzanne had with Nelly as Toreador. And I liked that, so. Awesome. So here, here we have a question that came in by email. Uh, did Victor purposefully try and get a rise out of Baron Teresa by repeatedly bringing up Jeanette and even calling her a Toreador after she spoke about the way the Malkavians are treated poorly? Uh, yes, he is definitely messing with Therese, although Victor does not know about Jeanette. Uh, canonically, no one knows. I don't want to say any more than that in case the viewer is not aware uh, of, the, of the secret connection between the twin sisters, uh, but he really doesn't know. So when, when he's talking about Jeanette, he, Victor sees Therese as having sold out the Anarchs. Uh, he deeply thinks she's actually been bought by the Camarilla, but even if she hasn't actually been paid off, ideologically, she's lost track of what makes us us, and Jeanette hasn't. So yes, he is messing with her in that sense of like, your sister is so much cooler than you. Maybe, you know, <laughs> can I talk to her because she still makes sense? Um, and, and that's all. Yeah. As far, as far as he knows, that's all there is to it. Again, for, for people that don't know, uh, Therese is a major, a major, uh, part of the original Bloodlines PC game. And you find out a lot of things about the connection between Therese and Jeanette in that game, uh, that you as a player know, and you as a human being know, but as the, the, the greater kindred community has no idea. And as, and by extension, neither does Victor. All right, and the, this question, well, these two questions came in just just right before we we went live here. Buzzer beaters. Uh, yeah, buzzy exactly. So at clerics kill asks, did you design Victor to be as as parental as he has become? Not at all, not at all. Uh, that that was it, it was it was not my intention. <laughs> not at all. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. Someone's um, got to keep everybody alive. Yeah. It was somebody had to be like, wait, but maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and it just sort of happened. And then uh, my sweater vest realness was that was my attempt at like just looking uh, non-threatening, uh, which again, apparently worked. And, uh, and then we were, we were there and I, and I went with it, you know? Um, but I mean, realistically, he is old enough to be uh, Annabelle's father. And then my actual children figured into it. And then, you know, the die was cast. Uh, but no, that was not at all a conscious choice. That's just <laughs> how it all happened. Yeah, it's how the dice fell. All right. And then the, from, the same, from the same listener, what is your favorite thing about Victor? And did you expect it? My favorite thing about Victor and this was one of the things that I did do on purpose is, you know, the, again, the, the, in many ways, it, it is a storytelling game of personal horror. You know, the, the, the fact that you, you are at the mercy of the beast is, is a bad thing. Philosophically, there, there's some takes canonically in the lore 
that some vampires are like, you should never raise a child because this is a hellish prison. You know, like the person that did this to us is our greatest enemy, blah, 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 blah. I very much intended Victor. He's having a good time, man. Like he's, he doesn't have a bad life. I mean, especially before all this political nonsense came in, but you know, he's running his business. He's making his money. He's, you know, he's enjoying his life. So I, I think what has been the most unexpected is how fast I accomplished some of the things that, that I accomplished and how much fun that has been. Um, there's definitely been some, some headaches with the, you know, being the Baron, uh, but they're all worth it uh, because there's some, there's some in-game challenges of literally everyone opposing him could kind of kill him in an instant, you know, because <laughs> he is a very young vampire and they're not uh, like a, in a straight one-on-one -on -one fight, Victor can't take pretty much any of them. Uh, I mean, he'd never admit that, of course. So he wouldn't say it out loud, but he knows that. <laughs> um, and then there's also the greater constraints of the story we're trying to tell. Uh, the canonical place of some of these characters in the lore. Um, that, like, during the Baron's meeting, if I said, like, I pull out my gun and I shoot Therese in the face, um, even if Whitney froze... It's like, mm, yeah, but you didn't, though. <laughs> you know? I mean, but you didn't, though. <laughs> For a lot of reasons, you didn't, though. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, bal balancing out the, you know, inner and outer repercussions of his actions and inactions has been a challenge. But it's been uh, a fantastic challenge. And I can say even just tonight, um, as we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to film because we're, you know, we're coming back this Saturday as of the time of this recording, keeping track and in writing out, you know, well, what's Victor's, what's he done? What's the moves he's made? And I went through and I had like a full list of like, well, I agreed to do this. So I do that. I agreed to do this. I do that. That person crossed me. They've got to die. Keeping track of what are these people doing, you know, and, and I like that, um, mm -hmm. which is funny because Alex's take on it is from a pregame perspective, I like being surprised because I like finding out what's going to happen when you find out. But something that's very useful for me, definitely as a DM and by extension useful as a player, is just let me know roughly which way the wind's blowing. You know, do go towards the mall, don't go towards the beach. You know, like, great, cool. Um, that type of stuff is useful for me. Uh, Alex doesn't want to know anything. Like he's like <laughs> literally nothing. I will show up at the table and like things will happen. So that the like planning in 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 mental chess of it, I really enjoy. And I didn't I didn't think I expected to enjoy that the most, especially because my nature as a player is I'm a min maxer. You know, I I'm a power gamer. I'm a min maxer, and I've I mean I've logged enough flight hours now that I can enjoy the narrative and I can enjoy the story. But for the most part, I don't like weak, incapable characters because I'm like, you know, I've felt powerless enough times in life. I don't need to feel powerless, you know, in my in my fantasy pastime. But having Victor as a character be not a combat character. Uh, even though, I mean, even though he got his, you know, advanced weaponry, uh, he's not a particularly wonderful shot. Uh, he's got to survive by his wits. 
which is why I leaned so heavily into dominate because that was the one thing I could do that no one else can in the one thing I could do to level the playing field. Because it's like, no matter how strong you are, or fast you are, or old you are, if you can see and hear me, you're screwed. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. You got the, the puppet master. Exactly. The only problem is some of them do too, though. Now it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, our last question uh, is actually from a caller. All right, go ahead, caller. Oh, hey, y'all. It's Purple Unicorn Death Pony again. I've got a question for the Undisputed Baron. I heard through the grapevine that you might be looking for a new mascot for Club Maharani. Is there any truth to that rumor? And if so, where would one send their video resume? Hashtag Hollywood, here I come. Uh, I think Chocolate Drop and Baby B have proven that the Temple of Boom is always recruiting. Always. Uh, just uh, tweet at me or uh, post on my Instagram a link to your YouTube. But you know what? I got your name. I will Google it. If I can't find you on Google, you're probably not right fit anyway. If I like what I see, I will find you. If you can't find Purple Unicorn Death Pony, then who can you find? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Super metal, though. (laughs) All right. Well, that's about it for the show today. Uh, We'll, of course, be linking all of the ways to find LA by Night and B. Dave Walters in the show notes. But is there anything else you'd like to plug, share, or tease? Uh, Again, well, uh, a a couple of things. Let let me get the, the... Commercial stuff out of the way, and then I will tell you what I actually think. Uh, again, uh, if you like Dungeons & Dragons, if you like comic books, check out Dungeons & Dragons, A Darkened Wish, my comic book with Tess Fowler. Uh, it is actually hard to track down because the entire first printing sold out in 72 hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's fun. It's nice. Uh, it's it's a love letter to Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, we're, we're really having a, a great time telling the story, and I, I hope you will take the journey with us and, and find it worthwhile. Thank you to for tuning in to LA by Night. It, the show is growing like crazy. The response is insane. Uh, we we really appreciate you. We literally couldn't do it without you. Uh, thank you for being the the sixth person at the table with us every week um, because you make it worthwhile. And thank you so much for it. And um, I'm glad to hear that that it is uh, resonating. And we do not take your time and your attention and your emotion uh, lightly. And uh, we really appreciate it. And last, but certainly not least, is if you're thinking about doing something like this, if you're thinking about playing vampire, even in the in the comfort of your own home, do it. Uh, if you're thinking about playing D&D, do it. If you're thinking about streaming, do it. Don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. Get your friends together. Grab some dice and just do it. Turn on the camera if you want and tell your story because uh, no one else can. And uh, whatever you're holding back, whatever you're keeping inside, you're depriving the world of. So share it, post it, tag me in it, and I will signal boost the heck out of it. Thanks again to all the listeners uh, for your great questions and for supporting the show. Uh, And thank you again, B. Dave, for joining us today. You've been just fantastic. Um, I cannot wait to see what the Undisputed Baron has in store for us in the LA by Night Season 3, which is coming soon for us, but already out. So the people listening to this now can uh, benefit uh, from it immediately. Friday nights, 8 p.m., Geek and Sundry. Yep, this first episode, which again, I think will have happened, is going to be on a Saturday for International Tabletop Day. After that, we'll be back on Fridays at 8 o'clock, and it should be quite an adventure. Again, silky smooth uneventful, no negative repercussions, 
to anything that has happened so far. Thanks for listening to What's Your Role, a proud member of the Role to Play Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share us on social media. Do you have a favorite actual play podcast? Want to hear them on the show? Tag them on social media with the hashtag What's Your Role. See you next time. <laughs>